I begin this morning, not uh, in London City Presbyterian Church, I want to begin not even in uh, Bethlehem of Judea, no, I want us to begin this morning in northwest Pakistan, where this week the Taliban entered into a school and they committed atrocities, the likes of which I'm sure pretty much none of us here can even possibly imagine. So I want us to begin there. I want us to begin, okay, in Sydney, Australia, where again this week there's been another terrorist attack involving, you know, the capture of just ordinary, everyday people. I want us to begin there. I want us to begin, let's say, in Russia. We are slowly but surely, it seems that the economy is crumbling, leading to what? Leading to, let's face it, potential devastations for, for millions and millions and, and millions of people. Do you see the point? I want us to begin this morning with a very, very simple assertion. And that is that the world that you live in, the world that we live in, is broken. Isn't it? I mean, it's broken. Has to be broken. I mean, surely we look around at the events of this past week. We have to come to that conclusion. We have to come to the conclusion that our society, that our world, that we, ourselves, humanity, is broken. Our world is a broken place. But having said that, I also want to begin with this. All is not lost. Our world is broken, but all is not lost. Because this morning, what we find as we turn to our Bibles is that God, our God, has not sort of sat kind of idly by and he's just kind of watched us continue in this misery. No, what did we read of there in Luke chapter 1? We read that God has acted. We read that God has entered into humanity. Why? Why did he do it? What is it all about? He has entered into humanity to repair the brokenness of this world. He has entered into humanity to mend all of these problems, to to fix the brokenness of humanity. So this, what we are dealing with today in Luke chapter 1, this is a, a divine rescue mission, if you want. I'll tell you what it is. Luke chapter 1, what we're going to look at, it is the greatest event has ever taken place. So let's look at it. I would invite you just now to please turn with me in your Bibles. If you've got a Bible there in front of you, just turn back to to what it is that we looked at in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll look first of all. We'll just look at the first of three headings that we're going to look at. And this is the first heading. A messenger from God. Let's consider that. Let's consider what we see about a messenger from God. I think our, our congregation's got a real problem uh, when it considers the, the Christmas message this morning. It's got a real problem when, when we consider the, the angel that appears to Mary. Do you see what it is? Like for years, I've quite happily existed in this earth and not known anybody called Gabriel before. But, but now this has changed. You know, now our congregation, one of our elders in the congregation is called Gabriel. 
And so I'm sort of reading the Christmas missions this year and try to shake the image of Gabriel from my mind. You know, because I'm guessing, I could be wrong about this, you know, but I'm guessing this angel, the angel Gabriel here, looked nothing like uh, our elder. I'm, I'm guessing that the angel Gabriel was not a big strapping Brazilian man with slicked back hair. You know, he absolutely wasn't. But he was a Gabriel nonetheless. So what do we learn about this Gabriel here? Well, I think the first thing we've got to think about is the journey that the angel takes. Now, did you see that? Look at this maybe with me in verse 26. Think about the journey that the angel takes. It says, God. Okay, God sent this angel Gabriel to Nazareth. So, right, the angel moves from where? Where does he start? He moves from heaven. So he moves from the very sort of presence of God, and then where does he end up? He goes to Nazareth in Galilee. Now, we've got to get this straight. This place, Nazareth, that's been talking about here, is just, you know, your sort of run-of-the-mill, bog-standard, uninspiring town. I don't want to offend people here by sort of drawing parallels with anywhere in the UK, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, you've got to sort of think maybe like Milton Keynes, somewhere that, like that, you know, somewhere that's maybe not, you know, a cultural hot spot, somewhere, you know, maybe perhaps just uninspiring. That was Nazareth, right? But think about it. Think about what we learn there. We learn that even in its announcement, this birth involved a great condescension didn't it? I mean think about what the angel had to do the angel had to leave glory, come on you know, the the presence of God the throne room of God and he had to come to this sort of backwards hick town called Nazareth to announce this, this birth you see the condescension involved in it and really do you see that that just foreshadows the actual birth itself. Do you see it? That if the Son of God was going to come and repair all the brokenness of sin, all the brokenness of this world, that he, like the angel, was going to have to leave glory. He was going to have to come to earth. And more than that, what would he have to do? He would have to become man. So we see here a journey that the angel makes. But there's more than that. Look, mention is also made here of the promised child's parents, isn't it? Now, I don't know quite a lot of you this morning in the church. <coughs> so I, I don't know. Some of you, some of you might not be Christians. Some of you might not come to church all that often. But what I do know is that everyone here knows who Jesus' parents were. Okay? You've got mention here of Mary. Uh, so we're told she's a woman who was betrothed, a woman who was engaged. And we've got mention of the fact, we've got Joseph, the father, here. Well, Joseph, the, the, the husband-to-be, rather, of Mary, a man who was the, uh, in the line of David. So we've got the parents. We've got a journey. We've got the parents. Here's the thing, though, that the thing that we really need to focus on is Mary's reaction to the angel. And to think about that, how Mary reacts to the angel, I want to ask you a question, okay? 
How do you think we would react if what happened to Mary happened to us this morning here? How do you think that would go down? You know, if I'm standing up the front of the church here and suddenly over maybe beside this Christmas tree, an angel of God appeared, you know, started speaking to us. You know, how's, I'm, again, I'm guessing, but I think there'll be a lot of freaking out going on in the congregation, wouldn't there? You know, a lot of us would be petrified, we'd be scared about that, wouldn't we? And and, and, and in some ways that's okay. See, what we read in the previous section in Luke 1 is that an angel appeared to a man called Zechariah. And guess how he responded? I mean, he was, I mean, he was petrified, you know. He sees an angel and he's just trembling, absolutely fearful. What I want you to understand, though, is that is not how Mary responds to this angel. Now, have a look at this with me. We are told in verse 29 here, yeah, we are told that she is greatly troubled. That's the expression that she used. She's greatly troubled. But here's the thing. She's not greatly troubled by the sight of the angel. She is greatly troubled by the angel's words. So Gabriel appears. Now just picture it. Gabriel appears, this angel, and he says, you are highly favored by the Lord. We expect her to be fearful of the sight of the angel. No. It's the words. It's the greeting that unsettles her. Now, I ask you, why? What is it about what he has said that that so troubles this woman? Well, I think, and follow me with Follow me here. I think part of it, at at least, is that Mary is troubled by God's knowledge of her. God's awareness. Isn't isn't she? I mean, think about it. Basically, essentially, Gabriel is saying to her, Look, Mary, here's how it is. God sees you. God knows you, Mary. And that unsettles her. That troubles her. But I think more than that, I think Mary is troubled by the fact that she hears that God values her. Think about what Gabriel says. He says, you are highly favoured. That God cares for her. Now, if you've got your thinking caps on, you can kind of see, can you, why that might trouble this woman. This is Mary. Mary knows even as a young woman, that she is a sinner. Now, Mary knows that she's broken, okay? Mary knows that she doesn't sort of worship God in the way that he deserves to be worshipped, and yet she's hearing, wait a minute, that he, he values her, he cares for her, and she is unsettled by that. Now, I ask you this. Isn't it true that Mary's experience there can be our experience. And I'll tell you this, even our experience this morning, let me say, like, is, even in here just now, can't it be, especially if we're not Christians, let's say, but, but can it be slightly unsettling to think that, that God in here, as we gather like this, He sees us. That He knows us just now. That He knows even the very deep things of our hearts. Isn't that unsettling? Isn't it even more unsettling to think that if you 
that despite that, even if we are unbelieving, that God this morning values you. That God cares for you. Cares for you. To the extent that he has done this, that he has sent his son into to the world to repair your relationship with him. Isn't that unsettling? Does that make you uncomfortable? If it does, if it does this morning, please I say to you, do as Mary does here. Because what does Mary do? Even though she is truly unsettled by all of this, by what she's hearing from the angel, what does she do? She listens intensely to what God is doing through his son. So hear this. I say this to you. Regardless if you normally come to church or not. If you are unsettled this morning by all this talk about God. And all this talk about the real meaning of Christmas. If you are unsettled by this talk of Jesus Christ. Listen. Listen today to what God might be saying to you through his word. Because let me tell you, it may well be the most important thing that you ever do. So we see here a messenger. A messenger from God. Second thing that I want us to note is a message from God. So we've seen a messenger. Second thing to think about is the message from God or a message from God. Okay. So you're with me so far. We have seen an angel appear to Mary and we've seen the sort of the slightly unusual or unexpected way that Mary reacts to that. Here what I want us to do, you and I, is just to focus on the event that is prophesied by the angel. Now you see what that is. Everyone, I mean, let's face it, effectively what happens here is that Gabriel tells Mary that she is going to be a mum. That's it. Let me read you the announcement. It's verse 31. This is what we're focusing on. Gabriel says, very simply, Mary, you will be with child. In the next book, and you will give birth to a son. Now, here's the deal. To see why that is such an important announcement, what I want us to do is just to notice the three things that this child is called in these verses. Now, the child, this promised child, you will be with a child. That child is called three things. I just want to mention them. You've maybe seen them. Do you see them just now, the three things? First one is in verse 31. Gabriel says, and this couldn't be any simpler, Gabriel says that Mary has to give him the name, what is it? Jesus. So what's the first thing he's got to be called? The child is going to be called Jesus. Okay, that's the first thing. Second thing, look at the next verse. So it's verse 32. The next thing he's going to be called. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. Uh, What does that mean? Well, the most high was an Old Testamental way of referring to God. So you see what, see what it means. The angel saying that this child is going to be so glorious and so special and so important that he is going to be understood to be, he is going to be seen to be the son, the very son of God 
himself. So you're with me? You've got the first two things. He's called Jesus, and he's called the Son of the Most High. But it's actually the third thing that he's called that really, if I'm being honest, that I want us to focus on. The third thing. But before we get to that, let me tell you a story. A quick story. <coughs> it was when my wife, Catherine, and I had just had our first child. Okay, so our wee boy, Colin, was... I was trying to do the maths this morning and failed. But I think our wee boy, Colin, was about sort of eight months, nine months, something around that sort of time, you know? It's just a wee totty thing. And uh, my wife came up the steps, up the stairs in our house um, that we had in Scotland at the time. She came up the, the, the stairs and she says, Andy, I need to talk to you about something. So I realised I had been summoned. So I, I went through and uh, I spoke to Catherine and she said, Andy, I'm pregnant. Now, it wasn't so much that I was kind of surprised by this, okay, because, you know, it was as planned as these things can be. But I tell you, you know, the sort of realization of all that just, of what that meant just hit me like a sort of steam train, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was, I was delighted, you know, I was happy and I was smiling. But inside there was a bit of me that was just, you know, you're what? You're pregnant. Have we not already got one of those little things? You know, I, I was, I was thoroughly sort of taken aback by the news, okay? Now, as you read Luke chapter 1, doesn't that seem to be the situation with Mary? Gabriel comes to her. He says to her, you are going to be a parent. How does she react? She's shocked. She's taken aback. And then she asks this question. Get the question. She says, Gabriel, how can this be? And I tell you, that's what happens there. Is that that question opens the door for us unto the joy and the wonder of Christmas. That question, Gabriel, how can it be? Do you see what it does? It opens the door to the wonder of the virgin birth. Now, I know that, uh, as I said before, some of you might not have been to church all that much. And I said, yeah, okay. Everybody knows who Jesus' parents are. It's the kind of same with that, isn't it? Everyone in here, I'm guessing, without exception, has heard of the virgin birth. But I ask you just now, have you, even as a Christian here, have you ever really stopped to think and to ponder and to marvel at what we are talking about? The virgin birth. Look at what we are told here. That the Holy Spirit would come upon Mary. That the power of the Most High, now we know who that is now, the power of God would overshadow. Do you see what we've been told? We've been told that, that somehow, and I, 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 I reassure you, not in a crude way, but somehow God would be unusually involved in this, in this birth. That this would be a, a, a unique, yes, but a divine work. And then remember, please remember with me, what it is that we're doing here. We are trying to find 
the third thing, that this child is called. So in light of that, do you see what it is? Look at verse 35. Now, if you have got a church Bible in front of you, let me read to you what it says. It says in verse 35, now you've got to follow me here. It says that the Holy One to be born will be called what? The Son of God. Now get this. Get this. In the language that this, the Bible was originally written in, that's not the emphasis so much. In the original language, the emphasis is much more this child. Because of this glorious virgin birth, this child will be called Holy the Son of God. He will be called because of the virgin birth. You need to follow me here. He will be called holy. Now I ask you, here and now, do you see the implication of that for you and for the world? He will be called, what is it? He will be called holy. That because this child will be different to any other, because of this virgin birth, That he is going to be in a perfect, perfect place to do what? To repair all the brokenness of the world. Why? He is holy. He is going to be able to grow up this child and live a life that is perfect. A life isn't broken and messed up by sin. He's holy. He is going to be able to live and grow, become a man. He is going to be able to die on a cross. A death that is going to do what? A death that is going to rectify all of the brokenness of creation. Because he is going to take upon himself all the sin of the world. Do you see the glory in this? This child is from God. This child is of God. This child is called Jesus. Why? He is holy. And he will save his people from their sin. Do you get what an announcement this is in Luke chapter 1? You will be with child. That is an announcement of a saviour. So we see a messenger from God. We see a message from God. I want to end this morning. But just notice as well that we see an announcement of a monarch from God. A monarch from God. Okay. Let's just bring it into the land by noticing the claims that this angel makes about the future of this child. Like We've seen the angel appear. And that is incredible in itself. I'm seeing an announcement that Mary is going to have a baby. A Christmas story, right? And we can easily pass over this and not notice what it is that the angel Gabriel says about the child. He makes a couple of claims about the future, about what's going to happen with this baby, this child. Do you see what they are? first one, is that Gabriel claims this child is going to become a king. A king. Do you see that? In verse 32, I think it's actually towards the end of verse 32. So if you've got your Bible, you can see it. 
Um, and I think I, I did this for the kids' worksheets. It's one of the questions in the kids' worksheets. It says that God is going to give this child something. Do you see what it is? That God is going to give this child a throne. That this child is going to have a throne. That this child is going to be a king. That's the first thing. And then note the second thing that's promised here. Note, everyone, the duration of this child's reign. I think it's the next verse, verse 33. How long will this king reign for? (laughs) This king will reign, it says, over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And I tell you this, why I'm desperate for you to see this morning is see that angelic prophecy of a king and a reign. I'm desperate for you to understand that that prophecy has come true already. Now picture this. Just as some earthly king might climb the steps to his seat in a sort of grand and luxurious palace, what has happened is that Jesus Christ, yes, he has died for sin, but he has also risen from the grave. He has risen. And he has ascended to glory. And now this child that is promised in Luke chapter 1, he has taken his place on the divine throne. He is there. And he is there now. But it gets better. Because more than that, what scripture tells us is that this child that you've been reading about this morning, this child that's promised to Mary, this king, get this. Scripture tells us that he will return to earth. Now get your head around that. That there's a day that's going to come where all of life is going to pause. There's a day where every single eye on this earth is going to turn and it is going to see the second descent of this king. He's coming back. And I ask you, why is he coming back? You ready? He is coming back to establish a new earth. That the plan in Luke chapter 1 didn't finish at Bethlehem. No. That the plan here doesn't finish at Calvary. That the plan here does not even finish at the ascension to glory. That God's plan, it always involved Jesus Christ setting a new heaven and a new earth. And let me tell you, that earth is not a broken place. That earth is somewhere where kids don't have to worry about the Taliban. That is a place where we do not have to worry about work, illness. We don't have to fear anything. That new earth is a place where there's nothing but joy. There's nothing but peace. There's nothing but grace. It is a place where everyone and everything is about worshipping this exalted king. And I want you to understand... This here this morning, this is not me up the front of the church trying to tell you to remember the reason for the season. It's nothing naff like that. Do you see? It's nothing twee. 
Do you understand? It is infinitely better than that. It is infinitely more grand. That what you are seeing today in Luke chapter 1 is about the future of absolutely everything. And I hope you see that you, and I mean you here this morning, you can be a part of that restored humanity. This morning, you can have filed the citizenship, your citizenship, for that coming kingdom. If you will just do this, respond in the same way that Mary responded here. I wonder, do you see what she did at the end here? Did you see what she says? I'll read it to you. Verse 28. She she hears this and she says, May it be to me as you have said. Now I ask you, do you see what that is? May it be to me as you have said. She hears what God is doing through this promised son. And she has Friend, I ask you, do you want to be a subject of this royal king? In fact, I'm going to phrase it like this. This is the last question I will ask you. See the brokenness of your life. The brokenness of your sin. Do you want that mended? Well, then you repent today and you believe in Jesus Christ. And I tell this, I promise if you do that, that a place is yours in that coming earth. Now, where did we begin? Where did we begin? Began in northwest Pakistan, didn't we? We began in Sydney, Australia. Well, I hope with all of my being that you end this morning and your heart is in glory. I hope as we end here that your affections and your soul is focused entirely in heaven. I hope that you, with all the angels this Christmas, I hope that you are worshipping God the Father. Does he not deserve to be praised that he has done this for us? That he has sent his son to rescue us from the brokenness of sin? Praise him, people. This Christmas, you praise him. You praise this exalted king. And may all the honor and all the glory be heaped upon his name on this earth. Yes. But hear this. May all the honor and and all the glory and all the praise be his also in the heavens and in the earth that is to come. Let's pray.